I draw your attention to the word of God in John 8, 31 and 32, where the Bible says, Then said Jesus to those Jews which believed on him, If you continue in my word, then are you my disciples indeed. And you shall know the truth, and the truth shall make you free. Can somebody say amen? amen. Father, we yield ourselves to you afresh today for you to have your way in our lives as you talk to us from your living word. Give us ears to hear. Give us hearts to receive. Give us a mind to work. A determination to go all the way. To not look back. But to press toward the mark for the prize of the high calling of God which is in Christ Jesus. For you who have begun a good work in us, we know you will finish it, O oh God. Because you're not just the author of our faith. You are the finisher of our faith. Thank you, Alpha. Thank you, Omega. Thank you, first and last. Thank you, beginning and end. You already know the end from the beginning. So even when we can't trace your hand, we trust your heart. And we know that you have our best interest in mind. And so we say, not our will, but your will be done. Have your way in this place today. Uh, we sense your presence as we praise you and you've inhabited our praise. And may you talk to us now from your word, we pray in Jesus' name. Fist bump about five people and tell them I'm ready for the word as you say amen. God bless you. You may be seated in the presence of the Lord. To the Cotton family, uh, Nate, Elder Nate from Crestview, um, we extend as a church our condolences to you over the loss of uh, Nate's sister and uh, uh, Zalea's um, mom and Jay's mom and Neil's mom and Mama Cotton's daughter and, um, and, and uh, Ben's um, mother-in-law. Um, we want you to know we've been praying for you as a church and we were so blessed by that service and um, Nate you did a great job officiating your sister's homegoing celebration and Zaleo you did a great job preaching your mama's homegoing celebration and uh, we're grateful for your family and uh, you surprised us by coming all over the, all the way over here from Crestview and uh, Zaleo and Ben y'all came from Tallahassee and uh, let's give them a big God bless you and a big welcome and uh, let them know we're going to continue to keep them. Uh, Elder Nate is a dear, dear friend of mine that I met on uh, the day after a 21-day fast. And I believe our appointment was a divine appointment. And uh, we've continued to stay connected and uh, believe that God is going to do some things with us together in the future. And uh, we're excited about uh, what's ahead. Can the church say amen to that? And um, Angela Battle, we're so good to see you. I know you've been acknowledged. You at Bible study. Raise your hand so they'll know you all the way from Columbus, Ohio. Uh, that is Deacon uh, Greco and Teresa Battle's daughter. And uh, she's going to be here a couple of weeks. She was in Bible study Wednesday. And for all of you that are here, we're just glad to be in the family of God. Can somebody say amen to that? And excited about what God has ahead because we believe the best days are yet to come. He said the glory of this latter house should be greater than the former. I'm also grateful for lead pastor Tyler Burns who's here today. Uh, his energy is not quite up to par. And uh, 
Um, I think he's in the back handling his two kids, and we bless him and continue to pray strength on his body. Can everybody say amen to that? Um, last Sunday, I addressed the subject of um, steps to divine wholeness. Everybody shout divine wholeness. And as I study the scripture, I discover and derive the truth that there can be no divine wholeness without divine freedom. If God has to make us, if God is going to make us whole, he has to make us free. And anybody here want to be free this morning? Can somebody say amen to that? So last Sunday I dealt with steps to divine wholeness, and this morning I want to uh, just in a teaching mode, talk to you about steps to divine freedom. Everybody shout divine freedom. Here in our text, I find a process of freedom uh, that we must go through. Um, and I've just outlined it uh, on the overhead as Jesus, shout Jesus, believe, continue, word, disciple, know, truth and freedom first of all Jesus everybody shout Jesus Jesus is our great liberator can I get a loud amen to that therefore freedom begins with Jesus there can be no freedom without Jesus because Jesus is our great liberator and as our great liberator he declared in Luke chapter 4 uh, verses 18 and 19, that the Spirit of the Lord is upon me because he has anointed me to preach the gospel to the poor. He has sent me to heal the brokenhearted, to preach deliverance to the captives and recovering of sight to the blind, to set at liberty them that are bruised, to preach the acceptable year of the Lord or to preach the year of the Lord's favor um, uh, alluding to the year of Jubilee. Jesus says, if you are in need of the anointing that destroys the yoke, then I am the Christ, which means that I am the anointed one. If you need deliverance from captivity, then I am your deliverer. If you need to be set at liberty, then I am your great liberator. And so your anointing to destroy yokes, Jesus says, is found in me. Uh, your deliverance from captivity is found in me. Uh, your liberty from slavery is found in me. Uh, your freedom from bondage is found in me. I am your great liberator. Can I get a loud amen to that? Why don't you lift your hands right now and say, Lord Jesus, I praise you right now. As I declare you as my great liberator. Come on, if you are convinced of that, put those hands together and give him some praise. Somebody say hallelujah. But of course, experiencing who Jesus is begins with believing who Jesus is. Which leads to the next point, believe. Everybody shout believe. The Greek word for believe in this verse, as I continue to teach, is pissed you owe. From pistis, which means faith, derived from pitho, which means to be persuaded. So biblical believing means to be persuaded. It means to be convinced. It means to, to be without the shadow of a doubt. 
It means to know that you know that you know that Jesus is who he says he is and he's able and willing to do what he says he can do. Can I get a loud amen to that? It leads to the kind of confession uh, uh, that David made when he said in Psalm 23, Surely goodness and mercy shall follow me all the days of my life. I wonder if I got anybody that's got a surely faith in your belly. He says, surely goodness. And uh, David said, I don't have a shadow of a doubt. I know that I know that I know that goodness and mercy will follow me all the days of my life. Come on, why don't you look at your neighbor and say, neighbor, I got a surely faith in my belly this morning. And I just want to express it right now. Look at your neighbor and say, surely goodness and mercy will follow me all the days of my life. Anybody glad you woke up this morning to some goodness and some mercy? Give God some praise and bless his name. Somebody say hallelujah. It is used in Romans chapter 8 when after the apostle Paul said in verse 37, Nay, in all these things we are what? More than conquerors through him that loved us. Any more than a con- conquerors in the house this morning. Come on, I said any more than conquerors in the house. Come on, do you know who you are? Can somebody say hallelujah? He said, nay, in all these things, we are more than conquerors through him that loved us. Why? Because in verse 38, he said, for I am persuaded. That neither death nor life, nor angels, nor principalities, nor powers, nor things present, nor things to to come, nor height, nor depth, nor any other creature shall be able to separate us from the love of God which is in Christ Jesus. Somebody shout, I am persuaded. You see, this kind of persuaded faith makes the devil mad and it makes the devil scared. Because he knows that no matter what he throws your way, it won't shake you. He knows he can stick death itself in your faith and it still won't shake you because you are persuaded that not even death can separate you from the love of God, which is in Christ Jesus. Any any persuaded believers in the house this morning? Come on, any persuaded believers in the house? Come on, lift your hands and say, God, I praise you right now. For I am persuaded that nothing can separate me from the love of God that's in Christ Jesus. Come on, you ought to give your God some praise for that kind of persuaded faith. Somebody say hallelujah. Everybody shout persuaded faith. This Greek word is also used in 2 Timothy um, chapter 1, beginning with verse 11, where Paul said, whereunto, referring to the gospel, I am appointed a preacher and an apostle and a teacher of the Gentiles. And notice what he says in verse 12. For which cause I also suffer these things. Nevertheless, I am not ashamed. For I know whom I have believed and am persuaded that he's able to keep that which I've committed unto him against that day. Somebody ought to say hallelujah. Paul said you can't be a preacher without problems. You can't be an apostle without adversities. You can't be a teacher without troubles, trials, and tribulations. Because with the calling comes the conflict. With the service comes the suffering. But if you know whom you have believed, 
then you'll be persuaded that he is able to keep that which you've committed unto him against that day. I wonder if I got any persuaded believers in the house this morning. Somebody say hallelujah. Lift your hands right now and say, God, I praise you right now that I know whom I believe and I am persuaded that he is able to keep that which I've committed unto him. Come on, if you really believe that, put your hands together and give your God some praise. Somebody say hallelujah. That's why the Bible says concerning Abraham in Romans chapter 4, verses 20 and 21, that Abraham, listen to this, staggered not at the promise of God through unbelief, but was strong in faith, giving glory to God. And being what? Fully persuaded. That what God had promised, he was also able to perform. Somebody ought to say hallelujah. You see, oftentimes God will let you go through some things because he wants to take you from weak faith to strong faith. You see, weak faith staggers at the promises of God through unbelief based on negative adverse circumstances. But strong faith gives God glory in spite of the circumstances, being fully persuaded that whatever God promised, he is also able to perform. And, and so no matter how it looks or how impossible the circumstances appear to be when it comes to resolving it or solving it or making a way, your faith says, I'm just going to keep giving God glory through it all. And the more I give him glory, the more I see how great he is. If you're ever in a weak place in your face, just start lifting your hand and say, God, I just want to praise you right now. Earlier, the choir was singing, he's a great God. Anybody believe that your God is a great God this morning? Anybody believe he's an awesome God this morning? Anybody believe that he's an omnipotent God, which means he is all-powerful? Anybody believe that he's an omniscient God, which means he's all-wise and all-knowing? Anybody believe that he's an omnipresent God, which means he's with you wherever you go? And so you don't have to experience God just in a church service. But how many know you can experience him everywhere, every day of your life? Because he is that kind of God. Somebody say hallelujah. And the more you give him glory, the more your faith will grow and the stronger it will become. And so that in spite of the circumstances, you'll stand up and say, I know my God is able to perform that which he has promised. I wonder if I got about five people that's got persuaded faith this morning that believe God, whatever he has promised, is able also to perform. Lift your hands and put it in your mouth right now and say, God, I give you glory. Because whatever you promise, you are able to perform. Keep your hands raised and think about that problem that you are facing right now. That you can't do anything about. Man can't do anything about it. The doctor can't do anything about it. The lawyer can't do anything about it. The politician can't do anything about it. Your boss can't do anything about it. But how many know what man can't do for you? God can. What you're not able to do, how many know God is able to do? How many know what you're limited? How many know God is limitless? Lift your hands right now and say, God, I give you glory for what you promised. You are able to perform. I wish I had somebody that don't mind giving God some glory for what he is able to do. 
Somebody say hallelujah. Look over your neighbor and gently touch him on his shoulder and say, I got good news for you. That problem you are facing that you can't do anything about, I want you to know that God is able to do everything he promised regarding your life and your destiny. So just give him glory and magnify his holy name. Come on, somebody ought to open your mouth and act like your God is able. Somebody shout hallelujah. Everybody shout, I am fully persuaded. And your persuasion would lead to your perseverance, which leads to the next point in the freedom process. And that is continue. Everybody shout continue. Jesus said to those Jews that believed on him, if you continue, shall continue. The exhortation to continue presupposes the temptation to quit. Because Christianity inevitably entails conflict, you have to continue to keep from quitting. And the thing that'll keep you from quitting is the word, which is the next point. Number four in the freedom process, everybody shout the word. You see, things change. Circumstances change. Experiences change. Situations change. People change. And if your confidence is in things and circumstances and experiences and situations and people, then your confidence will be weakened if not destroyed. But if your confidence is in the word of God, how many know you will continue even in the midst of a crisis? I wonder if I got anybody that believes in the power of the word of God. Somebody shout hallelujah. Why? Because Jesus said in Matthew 24 and verse 35, heaven and earth will pass away. But my words shall not pass away. Lift your hands right now. Put it in your mouth as you honor God for his word. And shout it as loud as you can as you repeat it after me. Shout heaven and earth will pass away. But his word will never ever pass away. Anybody glad for the forever reliable, eternal, unchanging word of the living God? Somebody say hallelujah. And furthermore, the paramount importance of this point is that your life, listen to me, will not just change. Your life will not just change. Your life will be shaken by life storm. And the thing that determines whether or not you weather life's storms is how much and how well you have continued, like Jesus said, in his word. That's why Jesus gave the following parable in Matthew chapter 7, beginning with verse 24, where he said, Therefore, whosoever hears these sayings of mine and does them, I will liken him unto a wise man who built his house upon a rock and the rain descended and the floods came and the winds blew and beat upon the house and it did not fall because it was founded upon a rock. But in verse 26, he said, and everyone who hears these sayings of mine and
and does not do them shall be likened unto a foolish man who built his house upon the sand. And the rain descended and the floods came and the winds blew and beat upon that house and it did not fall. And great was the fall of it. Jesus, in essence, without taking too much time on this passage, um, uh, said it makes no difference if you are wise or foolish. It makes no difference if you are saved or unsaved. It makes no difference if you are spiritual or carnal. It makes no difference if you are a strong Christian or a weak Christian. The rains will descend. The floods will rise. The winds will blow. And the storm will rage against your house. Anybody know what I'm talking about? And if you have built your house on sand, it will fall and Jesus said, great will be the fall thereof. But oh, if you built your house on the solid rock of the word of God. I wonder if I got about as determining that you're going to build your house on the solid rock of the word of God. Then your house will not fall, but it will stand. Why? Because there is power in the word of God. And the power of the word of God will keep you from being shattered whenever you are being shaken. That's why you must continue in the word uh, uh, of God. And so the shaking is coming. The storm is coming. Oh, you may be in nice weather right now. But keep on living. Your season is coming. Somebody say amen to that. How you know there's not a one of us that, ex that is exempt from the storms of life? And, and, and what is so strange is that we act like we're so surprised when a storm shows up. When Jesus has already warned us that the storm is coming. It's not if a storm will come. It's when it comes. And so the question is this. Are you prepared for the storm? All you got to do is build your life on the solid rock of the word. Anybody saying on Christ the solid rock I stand? All other ground is sinking sand. Come on. I wonder if I got any solid rock Christians in the house. I wonder if anybody that doesn't have your confidence in what this world has to offer, but you've got your confidence in what the Word of God has to offer. Can I get a loud amen to that? Lift your hands toward heaven right now. Some of you are either coming out of a storm or you're in a storm. Are you getting ready to go into a storm? Either way, Storm is a part of our Christian walk. Can somebody say amen to that? Now lift your hands right now and say, God, I praise you right now. That because of the power of your word, when I'm shaken, I don't have to be shattered. Even when the storms rage against my life. Pause right now. Because the thing I like about Jesus is that he'll walk in the storm with you. So that you find peace in the midst of your storm. Wave your hands right now. Because some of you are maybe in a storm that's not on someone else's level or, or, or not the category of someone else's. Maybe you're just in a category one. Somebody else is in a category two. Keep on living. Your category three is coming. And some of you are saying, no, I'm in a category four. 
But anybody saying, if that was something higher than a Category 5, I think it's what I'm going through right now. But anybody glad that God can handle whatever category of a storm you find yourself in? Somebody say hallelujah. Now, regarding your storm, lift your hands right now and say, in the midst of the storm, I trust your word. And so I decree and declare that I will be shaken, but I will not be shattered because of the power of the word of God. Give him some praise right now and bless his name. Somebody say hallelujah. Look at your neighbor right now and say, because of the power of the word of God, a storm is coming for sure, but you can be shaken without being shattered. Why don't you open your mouth and give my God some praise and blessed be the name of the Lord. And doing so uh, with the word of God, continuing the word of God, uh, leads to the next thing Jesus said. Number five in the freedom process, disciples. Everybody shout disciples. There's an interesting Greek word for disciples in its um, mathetos, uh, the root of which we, from which we get the English word math. Everybody shout math. And it implies the mental effort needed to think something through. Christianity is not primarily about changing how you feel. Christianity is primarily about changing how you think it's, it's not just about your emotions it's about your mind because Proverbs 23 7 says as a man what thinks in his heart so is he you see if you can change the way you think you can change the way you live so a disciple is a learner of Christ and a follower of Christ who continues in the word of Christ by applying it to their everyday life. You see, the word of God is not just applicable on Sunday. But anybody convinced the word will work on Monday? Somebody say hallelujah. Anybody convinced the word will work on Tuesday? This past Tuesday, I got a phone call from Julius, Elder Julius Benson. Raise your hand over there, sir. And Julius Benson said, Pastor, I hope you're not mad at me. I said, what's going on? He said, I forgot to tell you that I was going through surgery this week. And I went through surgery this morning. Do you mind me telling what it is? You want me to keep that? I, I won't say it. But he said, there was a mass on my kidney. And he said, Pastor, it's successful. Surgery went successful. I'm thinking, you've done surgery on a, on a mass on your kidney. Why are you on the phone with me? <laughs> but he just said, hey, it went well. And you could hear the faith in his voice. And when I went by to see him after Bible study on Wednesday night, he was sitting there looking at the basketball game and telling me that Zion was coming back in the next game. <laughs> and, uh, you know, I almost wanted to say, are you talking about Mount Zion? But I knew he was talking about a basketball player and after being off for four months. But he's sitting there in a great spirit. You know why? Because his life is founded and grounded on the solid rock of the word of God. Somebody say hallelujah. Now he uses his emotions to praise God here on Sunday mornings. And, uh, and I was surprised to even see him in church. Uh, but the thing about it is, um, and the reason I'm rambling is because I'm trying to get my screen on my phone to come back up. But, but the, the thing about it is, is that Julius Elder Julius Benson understands this principle. 
that the word doesn't just work on Sunday. But I have, have you know, it'll work on a Tuesday while you're going through surgery. Can somebody say hallelujah? Anybody convinced this word will work on Wednesday and it'll work on Thursday, it'll work on Friday, it'll work on Saturday. I wonder if I got anybody's convinced a word will work every day of your life. Come on, somebody ought to give God praise that this word works every day of your life and bless his holy name. Somebody say hallelujah. Now let's thank God and praise God and rejoice with Elder Julius Benson that God took him through the surgery and successfully recovering him from it. Somebody say hallelujah and blessed be the name Lord. And, and, and the benefit is the next point. No, everybody shout no. The sixth step in the freedom process. Jesus said and you will know. Repeat that after me. And you will know. Jesus did not say you will feel something. Jesus said you'll know something. Now don't misunderstand me. I feel my Jesus on a regular basis. I thank him that I'm able to feel his presence. But how many know feelings come and feelings go? Can I get an amen to that? I thank God that uh, uh, I don't go by my feelings, but how many know every once in a while it's good to feel what you go by? And so sometimes I feel him in my hands. Sometimes I feel him in my feet. Sometimes I feel him in my heart, my soul. Sometimes, like the song says, I feel him all over me. Because my God is a real God. Can somebody say amen to that? But his realness is not predicated upon me feeling him. God is real whether I feel him or not. Can somebody say amen to that? And sometimes you got to have that reality that even if I don't feel good, God is still good. Can somebody say amen to that? Look at the neighbor and say, neighbor, even if I don't feel good, my God is still good. And so I'm going to praise him anyhow. Somebody better lift your hands and give your God some praise. Somebody say hallelujah. But Jesus said, and you will know. Say it again. And you will. Jesus did not say you will feel something. Jesus said you will know something. And he's accentuating the power of knowledge. You're familiar with Hosea 4.6. My people are destroyed for a lack of what? And God went on to say because you have rejected knowledge, I have also rejected you. There are some people that intentionally stay in ignorance. Because knowledge requires responsibility. Ignorance allows you to blame it on somebody else. It, it's a challenge to do better and to go somewhere better. And so you refuse knowledge. And God says, my people are destroyed for a what? Lack of knowledge. Lift your hands and say, help me, oh God, to not reject the knowledge that you are giving me. Jesus said to some people in Matthew 22 and 29, as I continue to teach, and I won't be long, and uh, as I continue to teach, I'm going to wrap it up here shortly, but Jesus said in Matthew 22, 29, he answered and said to a group of people that asked him a question, and here's his response, you do err not knowing the scriptures and the power of God. Jesus said the reason your life is messed up because you don't know what I've said in my word. So you got two extremes. You got some people that emphasize knowing the scriptures and you got some people emphasize knowing the power of God. In order for your life to be made whole and to be 
a life of freedom, then you must not only know the scriptures, you must also know the power of God. But the reason some people don't walk in biblical wholeness and freedom is because they know the scriptures, but they ain't got no power to walk in what they got. So you don't need to just be full of the word. How many know you need to be full of the spirit of the living God? Can I get an amen to that? And so, and then you got some people that, that emphasize power. They, they full of the Holy Ghost, but they don't know the word. And so there's a, a, a lack there of wholeness in their life. But Jesus said, if you're not going to err, if you're going to have all I want you to have and be all I want you to be and do all I want you to do and how many want all that God has for you, then he says you must not only know the, know the power of God, you got to know the scripture. It begins with knowing the scriptures. If there's any area of your life that is deficient, don't just begin with a prayer. Go to the word and say, what does God say in his word about this situation? And then how many know, then you can ask, now God, give me the power to back it up in the name of Lord. Lift your hands right now and say, give me, oh God, revelation knowledge of your word and the power to back it up in the name of the Lord Jesus Christ. Give God some praise that he'll do it. Somebody say hallelujah. Listen to this interesting verse of scripture that Paul said concerning the religious Jews of his day. He said in Romans 10 2, For I bear them record that they have a zeal for God, but not according to knowledge. You've got some people that are so re- re- religiously zealous, they're, they're even spiritually zealous. They emphasize feeling God and and they emphasize emotions and enthusiasm and excitement. And I'm one of them. And they emphasize passion. And I'm one of them. They emphasize the fire of God. The zeal of God. But Paul said, make sure in your relationship with God. That with your zeal, you get some knowledge. Can I get an amen to that? Because some people are so... Uh, zealous and enthusiastic about their walk with God but they can't walk it out effectively because they have not mixed zeal with knowledge say help us Lord Jesus you see Jesus said in Luke chapter 11 and verse 52 that knowledge shout knowledge is a key knowledge is a key that is meant to unlock doors for us to enter everybody say knowledge is a key And he got on to the lawyers of that day who were supposed to be knowledgeable of what God said. And he said, not only do you keep other folk from the key of knowledge, but he said, you don't even use it to go in yourself. And that is a rough place to be. Hold your hand out like this and say, God, I thank you right now that you put some keys in my hand that can open some doors For me to walk on into a better place. And I praise you for it in the name of Jesus. Somebody say hallelujah. And one of those keys is knowledge. That's why Peter said in 2 Peter chapter 3 and verse 18. I'm definitely teaching more today. But grow in the grace. How many want to grow in the grace of God? The, The unmerited favor of God. Anybody want more grace this year? And you're saying, I want to grow in his grace. I want to grow in his favor. And how many know you are what you are by what? The grace of God. Lift your hand and say, I am what I am by the grace of God. 
But Peter didn't stop there. He said, not only grow in grace, he said, but you better make sure you're growing in knowledge. You better make sure you are studying that word and digging into that word and finding out the knowledge of God's will for your life. Can I get an amen to that? Knowing is one of the keys to growing. Repeat that after me. Knowing is one of the keys to growing. But listen to me. I'm getting close to ending. In this information age, it is imperative that when the knowledge about any and everything is at our disposal, at our very fingertip, just the push of a button, you just Google it. I used to pull out the maps to travel. Now I just tell Siri where I'm going. She said, push the button and I'll take you there. And only a few times has she taken me to the wrong place. But nine times out of ten, Siri going to get me there. I'm going to get GPS to where I want. How I many know we are living in the and in a, in a mind-blowing and mind-boggling age of information. It's the fulfillment of Daniel chapter 12 when he said in the end times, knowledge is going to go to and fro throughout the earth. We're living in the end times. God has already said what's going to happen in the end times. Can I get an amen to that? Nothing is catching our God by uh, surprise. But in this information age, it is imperative when the knowledge about any and everything is at our fingertips that we make sure uh, we are learning the next point. Number seven in the freedom process, and that is truth. Everybody shout truth. Never, ever forget, my dear brothers and sisters, that the devil thrives on lies. I'm going to say it again. Never ever forget that the devil thrives on lies. Matter of fact, it is, it is his number one weapon to keep us from a life of wholeness and freedom. Say it again. The devil thrives on lies. Oh, if he can get you to believe his lie. He's going to thrive all up in your situation because he thrives on lies. This is why Jesus said in John 8, 44, you are of your father the devil and the lust of your father you will do. He was a murderer from the beginning and abode not in the truth because there is no truth in him. When he speaks a lie, he speaks of his own nature for he is a liar and the father of it. He says every time the devil opens his mouth, it is a lie. How many feel like the devil been talking to you this week? Some of you ain't honest enough to raise your hand. You probably didn't know the devil was talking to you. Can I let you in on some of his lies? If, he, if the devil told you this week, oh, you going under, you ain't going to make it. That's a what? If the devil told you God doesn't love you anymore, that's a what? If the devil tells you, you you're out of reach of God's favor, that's a what? If the devil tells you, oh, you messed up so bad, God won't forgive you for that, that's a what? If the devil says you'll be defeated for the rest of your life and you'll never bounce back, that's a what? Whatever the devil says to you, just believe the very opposite. Because whenever the devil speaks, he's lying to you. Can I get an amen to that? Matter of fact, when he started talking, he said, thank you, devil, for reminding me 
When you said that I'm going to be defeated, that I got victory in the name of Jesus. Somebody say hallelujah. Lift your hands right now and say, God, I decree and I declare that the devil is a liar. And I'll no longer believe his lies regarding my destiny. Come on, put your hands together and give God some praise. Somebody say hallelujah. And listen, the only way to combat his lives with the truth of the word of God would lead to the eighth and final point. Eight being the number of uh, new beginnings. Freedom. Everybody shout freedom. Jesus said to a group of Jews that believed on him that if you continue in my word, then are you my disciples indeed. And you will know the truth and the truth will make you free. Jesus is teaching that there's a direct correlation between the truth you know and the freedom you experience. I close with this declaration of two truths that can set us free. Psalm 119 and verse 445. Well, the psalmist said, and I hope it's on the overhead. The psalmist said, I will walk in freedom. The New Living Translation says, for I have devoted myself to your commandments or to your word. Every day you need to wake up saying, I will walk in freedom today. He said, I will, not I feel. If you walk according to your freedom, your feelings, then most of, of your life you will walk in bondage. Many people are feel-oriented. God is trying to get us to be will-oriented. God is trying to get us to... To come to the realization that he's provided all the freedom we need. But we need to choose to walk in it. Every day we need to stand up and say, I will walk in freedom because of the word of God. Practice it right now. Lift your hands right now. And just say, I will, I will. walk in freedom because of the power of the word of God. Now put your hands down. You, you saw how you did that? Even though you repeated what I said, this is, this is what you do in the morning. I will. Walk in freedom. <sighs> By the word of God. Ah, that didn't work. And you give up because you don't feel anything. But how many know you've got to take charge of your emotions? And say, I don't feel it, but I'm going to decree it and declare it. I will walk in freedom. Whether I feel like it or not. Somebody say Hallelujah. Now, we're going to do a couple more times. This time, lift your hands and say it with a little bit more authority. Say, I will. I will. Ah, there you go. I'm feeling it now. Say, I will, I will. walk in freedom, in freedom. Provided, for me provided for me by the power of the word of God. My God, put your hands down. We're getting there. See, here's what will happen. If you will it, eventually you will feel it. Show me a person that's been walking around all week long saying, I will walk in freedom. I will bless the Lord at all times. And his praise shall continually be in my mouth. I will speak in tongues. I don't have to feel it. I'm just going to talk to the Lord even when I can't understand what I'm saying. I will sing a new song unto the Lord. I will confess who I am in Christ Jesus. By the time they get to church, they've been so wheeled up, they start getting filled up, and their feelings are involved in giving God glory. Somebody say hallelujah. 
Now you're close to it. Get to lift your hands again, and now we're going to declare it with more authority. Like you believe it in spite of how you feel, in spite of what's going on in your circumstances. Decree it and declare it with your whole heart, believing that there's power in the word of God. Shout, I will, I will. Walk, walk in, in. Freedom, freedom by the power, the power of the word of God.